want to welcome those again who are tuned in with us and uh, praying wherever you are that you're warm and safe. You know, there's some bad weather going on all over the country right now. We went through it a couple times the last two days. We got in very late last night, uh, having been privileged to help preside over the memorial service for Garth Kuntz in Marion, Illinois. If you've never been there, it's hard to get there and it's hard to get back out of there. And uh, it was a wonderful, blessed time uh, of celebration of life with Tina, Mama Tina, in the family, and, and many uh, men and women of God. Uh, we thank God for that, and uh, friends, and generals, and uh, strong, strong people in the kingdom of God. It was good to be together. So forgive my throat. I've uh, been, been uh, speaking and ministering a lot. And so it's just starting to catch up with me and we went through about three or four different temperature zones and things and so it sort of catches up. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. Father, let it come decisive and precise and concise. Help me to deliver it, Father, as I might simply and to condense it, Father, into something that we can deal with here in this time and this space that we're in. Be glorified, O Lord, and help us to grow, to grow together, to grow individually, and to gleam something that makes a difference in our hearts and in our lives today and forevermore. But most of all, you be glorified and let everything be said and done unto your glory and according to the word of God. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, if we could put up on the screen, please, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. I'm in the Revised Standard, but you can be uh, whatever you get there. We can put it up. The book of 2 Samuel, specifically this part, is, is dealing with David as he's uh, found himself now as the king. And not only has he found himself as the king, the Lord has put him in a position to where he has overcome his enemies and the Israeli army and that kingdom is the most fierce army known in the in the known world at that time and uh, he was very prosperous in every way with the favor of the Lord he was as history will tell us ruddy looking athletic strong and handsome and he uh, was charismatic and David had wisdom from God, and most of all, the favor of the Lord upon him. And he had come to a place where he even had his own city. He went and conquered at that time, would, be, would later become Jerusalem, it was Solomon. And he conquered it, and they named it the city of David, and he had his own house built out of the cedars of Lebanon, some of the most precious wood in the world known at that time. And you know the odor of cedar. So his house was a sweet-smelling place on the highest point of Jerusalem, surrounded by a wall and protected with water that came from the wells. So David was in a good place, but he realized that the Ark of the Lord was still outside of the city, and in fact, it wasn't even the in the presence of where it should be, and he attempted one time to move it, you know the story. And he wasn't in order, he was out of order. He was trying to have a move of God out of order. 
let's ponder that a moment because how many times have you seen people running around the country proclaiming revivals and moves of God and they wonder and you wonder, why didn't it happen? What's going on? Is it potentially because it's out of order? You see, God moves in order. And in this instance with the ark, when David went to move it the first time, he just went and he didn't do as God had instructed Moses to do. And as they did from when the ark came out and led them in the desert, when the ark moved and led them out of Egypt, when the ark moved and led them into the promised land and across the Jordan, when the ark was in the, the hills and the areas of, of outside of Jerusalem and Judah, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so what happened was that as they went to, to move the ark and it stumbled, somebody ignorantly named Uzzah reached up to try and stabilize it and he got killed immediately because he touched the glory of God out of order. There's a consequence when we move out of order. There's a consequence to us personally and there's a cons consequence to the body. And in that instance, David learned and he went back and he put things in order, especially starting with the Levites. What did the Levites do? They were priests. And they sort of were not doing anything for a long time because the ark wasn't active in the congregation and in the community. So they were Levites by name, but not by ministry. And even though by name they had access to the anointing, they weren't anointed anymore because they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They were anointed to be the Levites to go before the ark and prepare the way and to minister unto the Lord and to be a barrier between the people and the ark. They were to praise. They were to make psalms on instruments. They were to beat the drums and blow the horns and worship. So after they put things in order and they went to bring the ark up again, this time they were successful. And David was so excited that what? He danced before the Lord and we know the famous saying his ephod showed, that's his underwear. And his wife at the time, Michal, she was angry with him. And she said, basically, if you translate it, you were showing your wares in front of all the women. And David cursed her. And he said, I was dancing before the Lord and I'll do it again if I want to. Now, I'm not going to defend or contest against that. It seemed like it was almost out of order within Scripture, but we'll leave it be. Don't anybody please come here and dance in your underwear. <laughs> because I will remove you. But I won't curse you. Um, so now here we come into this position. We come into this place where David all of a sudden smelling the cedar, looking at this beautiful city. He's got the ark in the presence of the city. He's feeling pretty good about himself. He's got the strongest army known on earth. He's got wealth coming to him. He's got concubines and a wife and children. Everything is hidden. 
on all irons for David. But he gets this desire in his heart, and it comes from a good place. He has a passion. Let's read about it a moment. Let's start in Samuel 7, because it says it better than I do. Verse 1, Now it came to pass, when the king was dwelling in the house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside of tent curtains. Stop. How old were those tent curtains? Pretty old. Were they of the most fine linen? Mostly not. Were they taken out of, you know, Macy's in New York City, in Manhattan? No. Were they rich linen? We don't know, but probably not. They were the barrier between the natural and the supernatural of God. And so on the one side, they absorbed the weather, the natural. And on the other side, they contained the glory of the ark. It was a barrier. It was, if you will, a place to transcend from the natural to the supernatural. It was a barrier so that those in the natural would not be blinded by the supernatural looking upon the glory of God. Next verse, he says, Then Nathan said to the king, Nathan, the prophet, the Superman prophet, hey, David, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Oh, Nathan, super pastor, apostle, bishop, teacher, evangelist, whatever you want to call him. Mega general. He just says, Onward, go do whatever you want to do. So David, having received the blessing of authority, assumes this is of God. But it happened that night. <laughs> Suddenly it happened that night when the Lord could finally get Nathan's attention and Nathan wasn't busy feeling good about being in authority and being super pastor. Vulnerable and asleep just like everybody else did like us. In the quiet of the night when the Lord could get his attention and he wasn't being distracted by the business of ministry and by the showtime of television and by the wonderment of being partners and receiving eagles and books and things for giving lots of money. <laughs> I just had somebody tell me that they had something made for a special move that went on television for a ministry that uh, for $1,000 you got this thing. They had it made in China and even with shipping and it all cost them 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan gets the word of the Lord and it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying you stupid no that's not what he said <laughs> go and tell my servant David thus says the Lord not thus says Nathan not thus says the one who's trying to create something 
in the body of Christ that's not the word of the Lord or the time of the Lord or the anointing of God, even though this is an anointed man, super prophet, Nathan, Nathan of the time, that was, that was David's consiglior in the spiritual realm. He would go to Nathan. Nathan would bless or tell him not to do or what to do. So go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? Now, can you imagine the Lord maybe with a Hebrew accent, you go and build a house for me. To build in, who are you? Who are you? Basically what he was saying, who are you? that you're gonna build me a house? Next. For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to the day, this day, but I've moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Little tabernacle inside the tent, next. Wherever I've moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever once spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel? Basically, who do you think you are? You think you're the only one? Now, I've been doing this, the Lord's telling them, for a long time. You just showed up. I've been dealing with the children of Israel. I've been protecting them, delivering them, feeding them, prospering them, turning them into a, a mighty nation out of the tent. You got it all wrong. Did I ever once, whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Oh, what kind of house did David have? Huh? You think maybe the Lord was saying, I think you sort of greased your own will before you thought about mine. And once you had everything you wanted and needed, now all of a sudden, you want to think about me? And you want to think about me in terms of who you are? You think that your material things are going to move me? You think by dedicating a big monument in your family's name for thousands and thousands of dollars is going to move me? <laughs> you think by making a big gift of something that that's gonna move me. I own all the cattle on the hill. I don't need you or your house of cedar. Now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, now he's slapping Nathan around a little bit, isn't he? Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people. I took you out of the pasture where you were a nobody, they forgot about you. You were the least of the least in your family. Your brothers thought you were incapable of anything. Your father was using you like a slave to take care of the sheep while he took care of the rest of everything else. I put you out in a field. I kept you in a field. I taught you how to rely on me. I taught you to sing psalms to me. I taught you to be a gladiator and a warrior over the lion and the bear. I taught you how to be fierce. I taught you how to be humble in your victories. Now you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You ain't nothing but a sheep tender. God's given him a smackdown. 
How many of you have ever had a smackdown from God? Huh? Boy, is that humbling. Lord, look what I did. You didn't do anything. About how about when God used a mule to prophesy the word of the Lord or a chicken? How low does that go? Hmm? How about when God used a prostitute to save the army? How about when God married a heathen with a Jew and out of it came the loins of Jesus Christ? God's ways aren't our ways. In fact, whenever we want to show God our way, he'll show us his way is not our way. That's why I often laugh when people try to tell us exactly what's going to happen prophetically. That's the best way that it won't. That person that has it all down, the trib, the pre-trib, the post-trib, this is going to happen. We're going to have a week of stopping this, 69 weeks of that, a week of this, and this, and that. Hey! Even if they got it right, it's going to be wrong. Because God is God. Let God be true and every man a liar. I took you from the sheepfold. I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you, and you have been made a great name. Oh, you're famous now. Like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. Now, now he expands the vision. God's saying, this isn't about me having a house of cedar. This is about me planting the people of Israel forevermore. Now he's going to get into the house. Next. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make, whoa, 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 whoa. He will make you a house. Now Nathan's starting to get it, but he doesn't have it yet. He's scratching his head. He's saying, wait a minute, David's in a house of cedar. You just said you don't want a house of cedar. You're going to make David a house. You don't like his house? You imagine when David got that word, Lord doesn't like my house. Maybe I should make it out of oak. I don't know what to do. The Lord just cursed my house. When your days are fulfilled, (laughs) he's a young man. He just got to the point of success and God's talking about him dying. Because God doesn't care about time. Time's in God. God's not in time. God's in the past, the present, and the future all the way. But he's got to talk through Nathan to David in a measurement that David understands. So he takes him to the point when his days are fulfilled. Notice he says, not when you die. When your days are fulfilled. When you've done what you're supposed to do. When I'm done with you when your assignment's over, when your time here on this dimension and earth are over with, he calls them fulfilled. He says to sleep with your fathers. Sleep. Sleep. When your days are fulfilled and you rest, you sleep with your fathers, I'm going to set up your seed after you. Oh, whoa, I like that. 
Do you like that? Do you like that promise of God? God's going to take your seed after you. Who will come from your body. Come from the natural. I'm going to take the natural and I'm going to make it supernatural. And I will establish his kingdom. His is a little mm, touchy-goey. Whose kingdom? David's kingdom? The Messiah's kingdom? Let us be one. Me and you, you and me, and we and them, that we might be one. It's our kingdom and his kingdom in him. One kingdom, one God, one blood, one people, one, oh, one creation, a kingdom. I'm going to establish this kingdom and the throne of his kingdom forever. David had desire and passion in his heart, but it was misguided. He didn't stop to ask the Lord. He went and asked a man, and the man didn't stop and ask the Lord. And between the two of them, they got it wrong. But God said, I'm going to set this straight right now. And I'm going to make a covenant that no man can break. This covenant is me with David. And by the way, David, it's not because you got it right. It's because I'm getting it right. And here's my covenant. I will be his father, and he, I think you have to go back one verse, Ralph. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Build a house for my name. Who's building the house? He's building the house. We got a lot of houses around this world. Man, I was just in a church that I said, wow, look at this place. It was fresh. It was new. It had everything. I was walking around it, and the pastor's a wonderful guy. I met him and his wife, and they had all the bells and whistles and all the nice stuff. And I looked at it, and I said, this is a house. But we have a house. Amen. Down the road was another house, and over in Pakistan's another house, and there's another house. There's another house. You know what makes those houses in his name? Kingdom. Kingdom. Without kingdom, it's just David's house. With kingdom, it's the Lord's house. And it doesn't matter what the house is built out of. Where you declare the name of the Lord, he says, there in that place will I be. Put my name on a rock, I'll be there. Put my name on a mountaintop, I'll be there. Put my name under a tree, there I will be. And that's what he does forever. Next verse. I will be his father. Ooh. And he shall be my son. I will be his father. Now remember, we know he's talking about the messianic prophecy now, but we're in him. And time has already consumed all of this. So we can look at this as present time for us and also future time for us and past time for us because we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is not restricted by time. And so when a covenant comes to be, we're in covenant and the covenant was, is, and always shall be in the name of the Lord. And so he says, I will be his father. He's our father. I just buried my friend who didn't know his father. He didn't know him. 
was with him in the hospital in Israel some years back, and they asked him what his father's name and birth date was. He said, I don't know. I was shocked. But he learned of the Father. And he served the Father. And he glorified the love of the Father. And if he commits iniquity, well, we know that wasn't Christ now, is that? But yet, it's his Father. If who commits iniquity? Hmm? Pastor, if you commit iniquity. Quentin, if you commit iniquity. I'm going to pick on a few more. Gary, if you commit iniquity. Frank, if you commit iniquity. What's he say? I'm going to beat him up a little bit. I'm going to slap you around because I'm your father. I'm going to chasten you with the rod. Ooh. And with the blows of the sons of men. What does that mean when we're out of alignment? When we're off the tracks, the blows of men can hurt us because we're not protected. When we're outside of the obedience of God and practicing sin, the consequences of sin is the blows of men and the chastening of the Lord. People don't like to preach that. I have to preach that. First of all, I need to preach it to me because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. If we don't fear God, and only want to wonder in his grace, we get lost somewhere in the, in, 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 in the storm. Next verse. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from Israel before you. Next. In your house and your kingdom, your house and your kingdom, your house and your kingdom shall be forever before you and your throne shall be established forever and ever, says the Lord. <laughs> Finish reading that chapter yourself in this context, will you? Because what David does after that is he gets it. After that, he basically has a statement under the Lord and he basically says, I'm nothing. My house is nothing. My car is nothing. My clothes are nothing. My bank account is nothing. My material goods are nothing. My image of myself is nothing. My grandeur is nothing. My fame is nothing. What I think is something is nothing, Lord, compared to you. Lord, now I know who I am. I'm the lowest of the lowest. I tend the sheep. But, but you, O oh Lord, you dare to favor us? You dare? To bless us you dare hear me to trust us with your house Uzzah couldn't touch it Jeff you can touch it Uzzah thought he was doing something good but he wasn't covered Ben you can touch it in fact you are touching it 
presence of the Lord God Almighty. His hand is upon us. His glory is around us. And this is even better. <laughs> Father, let's make them just like us again. The glory that you gave me, I give them. You and me, me and you, we and them, and the glory that you give me, I put it in them. Now they're just like us. Now they're creatures of the kingdom. Now it's one kingdom. Now it's a kingdom on earth. Do you understand you are the kingdom on earth? I once, I wasn't in the Lord too long. Matter of fact, about a month. And, and Karen knows where I lived on Selma Avenue at the time. She was one of my best friends at that point. Still are, by the way, just haven't seen you much. And I didn't live far from the JCC. And they were having a, a dialogue, an interfaith dialogue. And I would do walks around that area and I saw it posted. So I said, I'm gonna go to this interfaith dialogue. And they had a, a priest, a Catholic priest, and I don't know, some Protestant, a Lutheran, a rabbi. I think they even had an imam. Some Muslim was there. I don't know what it was. But I was sitting next to this old Jewish fellow that knew me from the temple. I wasn't sure whether he was ridiculing me or tested me or whether it was a God thing. Now I know it was a God thing. Sitting right next to him. And he showed me this piece of paper. And he said, do you believe somebody put this in my mailbox? I looked at it and it says the kingdom of God is on earth. And he said to me, could you believe this foolishness? Where's the kingdom of God? I didn't know how to answer it. I was a puppy. I, didn't, I said, that's a good question. I just smiled and looked at him and said, boy, I don't have an answer, I'm sorry. I went back to my, my house on Selma fasting and praying. And I said, Lord, forgive me. His name was Abe. I, I said, I think I missed a moment with Abe. I'm sorry. What's the answer? So I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the kingdom of God is here. And I began to pray and understand that the kingdom of God was sitting right next to that man. And like Uzzah, I didn't know it. Beloved, we need to know it. We need to understand the dynamics of the kingdom of God in you and in you trusted to you and I is all the power all the authority all the compassion all the grace all the love everything that God the Father has is placed in us 
alive the kingdom of God. So when you go into a place, the atmosphere has to change because the kingdom of God is in that place. Let us not be those who don't see it or hear it or understand it. Let us be those who know who we are. Let us be those who expect something different. Let us be those who don't miss the opportunity with Abe out of ignorance of Uzzah. Let us be those like Samuel. Lord, here I am. What do you want? And the Lord downloaded on Samuel and Samuel became the great prophet that anointed David for the kingdom. I'm going to end with this and I hope you can understand it. Beloved, we need to see beyond time and natural. You can only do that with the eyes of the Lord and you only do that by the word of God and by spending some time with him. Spending time with them as you want. Prayer, worship music, the Word of God, assemblage, praise, worship, people. Now I'm not telling you you gotta spend all your time. I can't, I work, you work. But there's psalms in my heart. Sometimes they come out loud wherever I'm at. I can't help myself because what you're putting in is what comes out. How many of you know that if you listen more than you talk, you'll find out more about somebody than you will trying to tell them about yourself or them? Hmm? And boy, stuff comes out, doesn't it? Especially if there's some demonic stuff going on inside of there. They can't help but begin to speak out because of the presence of the kingdom of God. <laughs> you see, the kingdom of God overcomes everything. And it's not by your power, and it's not by your might, it's by the spirit that's moving within you. And that spirit's so powerful. And every person is born with a spirit that is divinely coded to be hungry for God. And as the kingdom of God you have the authority to punch in those keys and to begin to agitate and excite, sometimes aggravate. Got to be wise, though. Some people mean well, and they, they go to other people, and they begin to talk in Christian language to a Jew or a Muslim. Ain't going to work. You don't talk in Christian language. You talk in Judeo language. You talk in Muslim language and you divine Christ. Don't be an ignorant Uzzah wanting to just grab. Take time. Learn. Ask. There's a difference by going into the prison and witnessing to somebody or going into somebody in hospice and witnessing to somebody and going to somebody who's embedded in the culture of their religion. You need to be wise. You need to be smart need to allow the Spirit of God to move. Sometimes it's just by who we are, not by what we say. 
Sometimes it doesn't hit them for a long time until they see the difference in the contrast of who you are and what you did and what you didn't do. <laughs> Silence can be gold. This. I told you last week that age in time is not our measurement. People die one hour old, one minute old, and people die hundred and some years old. That's time. Time is gone. Days fulfilled. Kingdom age for the kingdom, for the kingdom is measured by when we fulfill our assignment. Then it's time. Strong and in God. Isn't it amazing about Moses? 120 years old said he, his strength, his vigor, never diminished. I'm a little confused about that vigor. I said, but Lord, whatever it is, don't let it diminish. <laughs> and his eyes never dimmed. 120 years old. Now there's people that, you know, he's one of the witnesses. He's coming back. They never found him. It says in the scriptures, he died and his bones were buried. He died. It says he died. I don't know why people make up this stuff. They just, I guess it sells books and sounds good. He died. Moses died. The reason why they never let anybody know where his bones were because they didn't want them to steal his bones. That was why. Because you got radicals out there, man. You know, there was a rabbi in New York who died and they stole his bones because they thought he was going to come back as the Messiah. Yeah. And that's one of the old rituals that says about Jesus that they took his bones and took them somewhere. They took them out of the cave so they could start the story. That's what came out of that. Don't buy into the story of Moses. Moses died, but he died strong. He fulfilled his days that he passed on his legacy. His assignment was over. Kingdom age. And, and, and let me say this to you, it's never too late to get on track with your kingdom age. It always is late to never get on track with your kingdom age because then your plans and purposes evaporate. Never too late to get on track with your kingdom age. And then all of a sudden, the skies open, things change, the favor of God flows, and there's a passion inside to serve in the house of God instead of to make a house for yourself. Listen to this. We're going to close with this. We went a little long. That's because Sonny and Leanne were worshiping too long, but it's all right. <laughs> Not me. Is that my wife going, <clears throat> yeah. Baby, it ain't the Pastor Frank show, I assure you that. Listen to this. What we think are our advantages oftentimes are our disadvantages in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, if you will, is almost an inverse of what is measured here on earth, secular. 
what is social, political, geographical, cultural, that's the inverse of how God looks at it. And when we realize that we, we can be set free from those bondages and ropes and, and, and those chains that are put upon us to have to, to, to measure our success or our peace or our joy from the ways of the world. We're set free when we realize that the ways of the kingdom of God often are just the exact opposite of the ways of the world. And in so doing, we understand that we can walk into those. Think of it this way. The Lord kills before he makes alive. Hmm? The old man dies. Jesus died. In fact, the Lord says, keep killing that old man, crucify that sucker. He'll keep trying to come back. He's like a zombie sinner. Shoot him and shoot him and shoot him again. Shoot him through the heart with the cross of Jesus. Think about it this way. The Lord makes poor before he makes rich. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Hmm. The Lord makes us hungry and thirsty before he fills us with blessings and abundance of righteousness. It's those who hunger and thirst after righteousness that the Lord says, I'll bless you abundantly. God reverses fortunes, gives us tests to try us in a fire to save us. God says that those who see but do not see me are blind. So we need to become blind in order to see. The Lord says that those who hear, but don't hear my word, they're deaf. We need to be deaf to become able to hear. The Lord says that the one who wants to always be in the front, the first, they shall be last. And the last, they shall be first. God's ways aren't our ways. <laughs> We want more of God. We want to bless God more. And so we, we think we need more. We need more money. We need more books. We need more fame. We need more followers on Instagram and Facebook and social media. We feed it like vicious lions trying to feed beef to it. We get excited because one more person signed on. To us. What's the Lord say? I must decrease that he will increase. Our ways aren't his ways. We think we need a big pulpit. We think that what we have to say is so important everybody in the world needs it. 
And we don't realize that the kingdom is a body and there's a whole bunch of us that probably do it better than they do. Especially where they're at. I've told this man I love him. Nina, I love him. I say, I'll come and help you train your pastors, and, but I won't come and speak in a stadium because you do it better than me. I don't need a picture with a million people. That's just foolish. And that's hypocrite before the Lord. My picture with a million people like they came to see me in Pakistan, really? When my picture was up, all they wanted to do was kidnap me and get a ransom. I said, Wanderer, don't put my picture up no more, man, please. I wanted to go to Cuba so bad, I was 90 miles away, I was ministering to Cubans in the largest Spanish-speaking church in the country. My pastors were going back and forth, the ones I was training up, the young ones, and they kept saying, come with us, pastor. Fortunately, I wasn't like Nathan and say, do as you'll do. I prayed and the Lord said, you can't go. And then finally, after three times, when they went and go, he said to me, son, you don't hear me. You will never go there, never. I said, wow, that's harsh. I'm 90 miles away. What, couldn't I do some good there? And the Lord spoke to me. You have trained up people, I've trained up people. You think you have a house of cedar, son? You ain't nothing but a sheep tender. Got it. So instead he allowed me to go to the Soviet Union, get arrested and sick and poisoned and all that good stuff. <laughs> but you know what happened? The walls came down, just like he said they would. The brass came down. Those of us who were in there pounding them down and working and did what we were supposed to do when it was our calling and our time, many flooded right back in. They were so excited to go preach openly in the highways and the cities and churches reopening. You know what the Lord told me? Assignment completed, son. You're not going back. I said, but Lord, I got a word. <laughs> Son, go to Canfield, Ohio. Raise up a broken down church. But Lord, I need a big pulpit. Oh, do you? Hmm. Let me show you. Let me show you. You could be in a cave and the wind can be roaring. And when that's still small, voice of the Lord comes in, you can change the world in obedience, staying in our lanes, kingdom of God. So he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but that sets me free. I don't have to work at being something. I just have to say, Lord, here I am. Same as you. And the Lord puts us in a time and a place where we're supposed to be and we're not even sure why we're there. 
and all of a sudden he opens your mouth. I'm going to end with this one. I'm going to ask Ralph to come out from behind there. He's going to take the offering, two of them, Ralph, and uh, close us out. <laughs> My wife has seen this happen so many times, especially I've been in front of big crowds and she has to tolerate me because I'm getting in the word and I don't want distractions and I'm writing notes and I'm making sermons and I'm getting stuff ready and putting little yellow stickers in my Bible and I'm getting prayed up and ready to go and then right before I go up the Lord says leave it all here son I'm going to open your mouth and I go up like this and it comes out it happened to me yesterday right honey Spent all morning, day before, on the plane the day before, getting my eulogy ready for my dear friend. Was all sharp and ready. Got up there, I handed her my iPad and said, went up and the anointing came down. And there were some powerful people there and I'm not touting my own horn, I'm giving all glory to God. I had nothing prepared. I didn't pull out a piece of paper. I didn't give something that I'd given in funerals before. And one after another, people came up and said, that was anointed. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the anointing of the Lord because I'm being capable. One young girl, just married, I got to pray for them to have children. She said, I really needed to hear what you said. I don't even know what I said to matter. Another older lady, thank you for putting time in its perspective. I shared with them about kingdom age and fulfilling. Another one came up to me and they said, did you really resurrect an ant in Israel? I said, yeah, that's me. I thought that was you. <laughs> Let God be the glory of every man a fool. Beloved, we're the kingdom. You found the kingdom. And can I encourage you this? If it's kingdom, jump in wisely. If it's not kingdom, walk away graciously. If it's about somebody building themselves, their name, their coffers, if they're telling you they need to go around the whole world with their message, that's the first thing you need to say. Yeah. Okay, hear me. God doesn't need any one man or woman to go around the world with a message. God needs us to do what we're supposed to do where we're at. Think of all the money, all the jet fuel being burned for people going around the world to bring a message that's already there. Think about that. Think about it if it's your money. You have a good heart. Uzzah had a good heart. He just put his resources in the wrong place and it cost him. Hmm. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the kingdom of God has come. 
We thank you, Lord, that the kingdom is within us and around us and that we are in and with you on heaven and on earth and that this kingdom shall have an increase and a government that shall never end. We honor you, Jesus, our Messiah on the throne. Your throne is forever. And we honor you, Holy Spirit, that you never quit hovering and doing your work in us and through us and to us. And we bless you, Father, that you are gracious and love us and keep us in your hands. You chasten us when we need chasten. You allow us, Father, to be tested when we need tested. You show us, Father, how to grieve and how to celebrate, how to have joy, how to weep, and at the same time, how to praise. We thank you, Lord God, that you're the all in all. You are Jehovah Elohim, our creator and the mighty God of everything. We thank you, Lord, that out of this seed, the seed of the kingdom here on earth, that Father, we believe that these generations coming forth are your new priests, your new kings, the ones who will serve you as you return to earth. Oh my God, how amazing. The circle of the kingdom. We bless you, oh Lord, we thank you. Let this word permeate inside of us. Let it percolate. And allow us, Lord, to walk out of here renewed with a new understanding and a hope and a conviction not to just make it an instance, but to make it a lifestyle. Thank you for that, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. We pray in your name, the most holy name above all names, that of Jehovah Father, that of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and that of Yeshua HaMashiach, even Jesus the Christ, our Lord. Amen.